Oi, oi, and welcome to the Orient Outlook podcast, sponsored by HF Plastering, with myself, Steve Nussbaum, and as always, I'm joined by my good friend, South Stand Chum, the bearded legend, the one and only, the daddy-o, it's Mr. Paul Levy. Thank you very much indeed. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. This is episode number 263. As always, just want to thank everyone who tuned into last week's show. This week, we've got one game to review, a roundup of all the news from the past week, which actually turned out to be a fairly active week yes. uh, amongst the club. We've also got a very, very, very special guest joining us on the phone all the way from Boston. No, it's the other famous Boston resident, Nick Simarka, who is one of the new investors in the club, and we are delighted that he is joining us. But first of all, as always, we start with a word from our sponsor. So AJF Plastering are an Essex-based plastering and rendering company. You must know that name by now. They cover all aspects of domestic and commercial work, specialising in silicone colour render systems. The best part is that they offer, as you all know by now, a whopping 15% off for all Leighton Orient fans, staff, board members, directors, anybody associated to Leighton Orient. Unfortunately, um, I don't believe they go into the States just yet, but I believe that's probably part of his world domination plan. So if you want more information on the best plastering and rendering prices around, and I can confirm the job that they've done is brilliant. Uh, I've had my house done and it is fantastic. You can visit their website, www.ajfplastering.co.uk or you can email them ajfplastering at outlook.com or visit them on Facebook or Instagram. Just search ajfplastering or you can reach out to Adam uh, at Big Ads with a Z L-O-F-C on Twitter. Yeah, so Paul mentioned at the top of the podcast we had a very special guest. We're not going to keep you all waiting we are delighted, like Paul said, joining us all the way from Boston. It's Leighton Orient Investor. It's the one, the only. It's Mr. Nick Samarka. Welcome to the podcast, Nick. Thank you for having me, Steve and Paul. I'm glad to join, although I will tell you, I am not in Boston. Oh. Because that's, uh, that's Travis land. <laughs> I am a Miami guy. Oh, Even better, Miami. Beg your pardon. I thought you. I thought you messaged us and said that you were in. But okay, beg your pardon on that one. <laughs> so apart from no, being a Miami, no apart from being a Miami guy, tell us a bit more about yourself. Well, uh, this could be a long answer. I'll try not <laughs> to be. So I am a. Uh, I was a long time management consultant, which meant I spent the majority of my career helping my clients' businesses improve. When I retired, I thought, what the hell? Why wouldn't that work uh, in the sports business? And I purchased a minor league baseball team. And I've owned that team in uh, Joliet, Illinois, outside of Chicago now for nine years. And a couple of years ago, I said, well, this has been fun. Why not try it in another sport that I have a huge amount of passion for, for fo- which is football? So, uh, you know, that's the short story in a nutshell. Three beautiful kids, uh, one beautiful wife who is absolutely mad about the O's, and, uh, you know, life could be worse. <laughs> so you mentioned the O's, Nick. So I guess some of the questions that people would have been asking when they first heard June Invested is, is why Leighton Orient? So what is someone from Miami, a successful businessman with a baseball team, doing investing in East London's finest Leighton Orient? So, uh, well, a couple things. Uh, first off, I did look at a number of different countries in Europe. First, you know, maybe this is a bad thing to say, but I think the quality of our domestic league is crap. 
So, uh, and, 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 and it costs an ungodly amount of money to buy a football club in the U.S. So I was not very enthusiastic about that. Um, I am the son of European immigrants uh, from post-World War II. So I have family, a lot of family in Europe. So I would naturally draw to Europe. But I looked at a lot of different countries. I lived in London uh, for two years uh, uh, in the early 1990s, and that really got me uh, into uh, English football. And in fact, uh, I uh, attended my first game at Brisbane Road in 1991. So Orient was not a foreign uh, concept at all. But I'll tell you, after looking at a ton of clubs, both outside of uh, England and inside of England, the what really sold me at the end of the day first of all i'm an old school guy there are all these teams all over the place they build these fancy stadiums and they have this like sterile atmosphere and all and that's not what i think sports ought to be about sports is about the proximity the the, the being on top of the pitch or the field or the ice in hockey it's about the emotion it's about you know, the sound and the singing and the noise. And and that's what I wanted. So, you know, to me, Orient uh, and uh, the Brayer Group Stadium is an example of the kind of sport I love. But what, what, what convinced me in the end was uh, some guy named Nigel Travis, uh, who I'd gotten to know a couple of years ago. And I was just very compelled by his vision I think he's a fantastic guy. I've learned since then that he's got a, he built a great board. You know, Nigel keeps uh, you know keeps harping on this idea of the challenge culture. He even wrote a book. Uh, maybe he'll get a give people a fifteen percent discount if they buy it. Uh, <laughs> but but we we have a board where we can tell every we can tell each other what we think. We can challenge orthodoxy, uh, and we can have a great laugh while we're doing it. Um, and I found all that appealing. And since I've been on the board, uh, it's been that good and, and more. Fantastic. In terms of, I mean, we're, we're not uh, investor guys, so uh, but as football fans and, and reading so much about football uh, and investment in football, it's, it's a real sinkhole um, from an investment and investor perspective. I don't know that many... People buy a football club expecting to sort of whether it's doing well and could do better or doing badly and needs to improve, whichever way. Um, actually, people invest expecting to sort of turn a huge profit or get a massive return on investment. So, really keen to sort of understand perhaps what, from an investment perspective, rather than perhaps a um, an emotional perhaps like attachment that you had from from being. Um, in in London um, those years ago, perhaps what what made sense about investing in Leighton Orient? As I say, it's, it, from us as fans, it's a bit of one. It, it's one of those where it's kind of like a you're not going to get much return on on your money unless uh, perhaps you could help us understand differently. Well, so first off, I I am a hundred percent agreement that investing in a football club is not like investing in the stock. Or yeah. investing in a you know a small company that you hope you know dominates the world and makes you billion. I'm not looking to make a ton of money out of this thing. 
I do think that uh, down the road, we have opportunities to improve the financial attractiveness of our club. But that, to me, is secondary. It's almost, I don't know, I, I, I sometimes have told myself, look, if you really love a sport, why don't you just become a season card holder and be done with it? Mm. But I, I, am, I am really, particularly after my, my consulting background, I'm just really intrigued by, uh, you know, how do you take a club like Orient in a fantastic market with a fantastic uh, fan base and build upon it, build upon it, obviously on the pitch, although I cannot in any way, shape or form pretend that uh, I'm going to add a whole hell of a lot to uh, what Kenny's doing on the pitch. But, you know, how do we build it from a business standpoint? And, and, and I think the club has done some things from a business standpoint, like, for example, all the great work on the streaming side that have shown that there actually are ways to improve the economics. But I'm not. I'm not. I'm I'm lucky, guys. Let's maybe I should have prefaced my introduction with that. I'm one of the luckiest guys ever born on this planet because uh, you know I would. I I I did not come from any great means financially. Uh, My parents were not well off. As I said, they were refugees after the war, and by some. Uh, some unbelievable stroke of fortune. I've been able to at least uh, pop a few quid under the mattress and have uh, some money for a rainy day. And so I don't, I'm not here to say, wow, you know, I have a model that says in five years, I'm going to make a 20% return. No, no, that's, that's not it at all. It's almost maybe the investment in football is a way to get a ticket to really get inside and see what you can do. Uh, but the finances are not the, you know, the financials of the club are important because we're extremely committed. I am extremely committed to ensure that we've got a sustainable club, both on the pitch and off the pitch. Uh, but if you, if you said, well, how's this all going to end? If 10 years from now, uh, I sell my shares and I, and I get something near what I pay for, well, I'm a happy guy. And if I, and if I, Live, help deliver on the promise to the supporters that that you know the club was better off from being a part of it. And I think all the other guys on the board think the same way. Then then I've done all right. So maybe that's a maybe from a pure financial standpoint, that's a really stupid set of <laughs> reasons to buy into a football club. But mm. I, I don't know. I'm happy with it. Absolutely, and and what Nick? What are your? Do you have any personal long term hopes or ambitions as an investor in Leighton Orient? I think as fans, we obviously want the team to push on and be as successful as possible. I mean, what ambitions and long term hopes do you have? Well, I I think I, I I keep coming back to the idea that the club has a lot of potential, and I hope to be a part of helping realize it. And I think the potential is on the pitch. And uh, as, as you guys have seen every year since the, the dark, ages of, uh, dark ages of four and a half years ago, the club has progressed up the, ta- up the league to get out of the National League, up the table in League Two. We're certainly uh, you know, very keen on adding another promotion to our belts in the, uh, sooner rather than later. And then we're gonna we're gonna see where it goes. So first of all, on the pitch is important. 
you know, I certainly don't want to sit there and go to matches and, and, you know, watch us, you know, escape relegation by the skin of our teeth every year. That would not be a lot of fun. But at the same time, uh, you know, on the financial side, I, you know, I think Danny was on uh, Twitter yesterday talking about, you know, how we lose two million pounds a year. And that's a, that's a real figure. That's not a sustainable number either. So we need to get our finances to the state where we, uh, where the where the finances aren't an issue, where we can, you know, we can live within our means, and where we can, uh, at the same time, continue to improve on the field. On the field, and there are clubs that have done that. Uh, you know, I always look to a club like Brentford, which, as I've been as I've been led been told. Brentford and Orient used to be, you know, sort of like cousins on each side of uh, on each side of London. You know, similar positions in the table, similar uh, kind of circumstances, and they found a way to, to get out of it. Now, yes, Mr. Benham, their owner, uh, brought you know a couple of hundred million pounds to the equation, but he also, I think, has shown some intelligent ways to, you know, make the finances more sustainable and so you know we're trying to learn from the best and incorporate as many of those ideas in our club as well and uh and that's sort of what i'm what i'm hoping for yeah t- t- um tony bloom down at brighton but they was they used to be in our league as well and in fact their crowds used to be much yep. much much less than the thirty thousand that they get every home game in the premier league at the moment so it, it can be done it is doable there's no question uh or a doubt and i guess to your point about sort of on the field obviously that's kind of the uh, where that success uh, will breed success. So if in January Kenny feels that he needs to bring in reinforcements, are the board prepared to support that if if Kenny feels that that needs, needs to be done? I think the, the uh, board is prepared to do, uh, you know, a whole range of different things, right? Mm. And so if we, need, if we need support, I know, uh, you know, we have... You know, we, we could potentially add a little bit more depth to our squad. Uh, and, and, you know, we could add some other pieces. And I think we're all, you know, ready, willing, and able to have that conversation. At the same time, right, we're not going to try to pry Ronaldo out of uh, United because uh, he's had a little bit of a bad run of form. Because, you know, we do need to, again, you know, remember that one eye has to be on the sustainability side. So it's a matter of balancing that. But I'll tell you. I spent 20 plus years, you know, working with very large companies and the number of times my clients told me that they couldn't get, do something, you know, I'd have a book, you know, a hundred pages thick, if not more. And, and I love when that happens because my career has been built on helping prove many of those beliefs wrong. And I think similarly in football, I don't think it's it's just a, well, I can succeed on the pitch, but then I'm going to suffer off the pitch. I think you can do both. And and we, we need to find the path that gets us there. And I'm confident that there's an answer out there because we've got such a creative team. Our front office team uh, is very creative. Uh, our board is creative. You know, and the football side is in very good hands with Martin and Kenny. So I think we've got the formula that will lead to 
you know, that long-term success uh, and sustainability. You mentioned your sort of management consulting background and sort of helping businesses to improve. Is there anything that you've been able to identify at this early stage of your board membership that uh, that we can do immediately. You've met. You've alluded to the streaming being one sort of revenue stream and one way to reach fans who can't get to Brisbane Road. Obviously, there's limitations around that. But is there anything else in particular that's that you you've been able to look at from the outside in and say, actually, what about this? Have we thought about that? Why don't we consider doing this? Uh, oh, I think that I think everybody's getting tired of the why can't we consider doing this kind of thing. Uh, we just had a we we just while I was watching the uh, F one race, <laughs> there was a little uh, email stream going back about uh, how do we help uh, increase our media rights. But I'll give you a, 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 a tiny example. This is this is uh, more from my baseball experience than not. But you know we we we, we have certain uh, technology based tools that we use at our baseball club uh, to uh, help. Uh, bring on more corporate sponsors. They're really slick. And, uh, and I was talking with, uh, Josh Stevens, uh, and, and I was showing him some of that stuff and he's like, wow, this stuff's great. And, and Josh was able to work with Bolt, one of our, uh, one of our sponsors at Orient to create a version that is not only does all the fancy things our version does here in the U S they've even been able to take it another level. And, and it's, so it's, it's little things. This is a game where, you know, there's not one move that you can make that all of a sudden is going to, you know, yeah. put your squad on a 15-game winning streak or, you know, earn you another 3 million quid a year. You know, it's a lot of little pieces. Um, but that's one example where, uh, you know, the, the things that I've learned of baseball, uh, we could, some of those things we can import. Nick, I know you've been to quite a few games and we had the pleasure of meeting you before the QPR game. It was a really exciting uh, match to watch. And I know you've been out and, out and about around the country. But in terms of the attendances at the club, are you, are you, how do you feel the attendances are? Do you think, they could, do you think there's an opportunity to build on, a, on attendances at the club? Uh, yes. I believe there's an opportunity to build on attendances. And... And in fact, if I can make it, I will, I'll tell you why. First off, I hate empty seats. I have empty seats in my baseball stand. So don't, I'm not trying to, uh, to say that uh, we've got the code cracked, but I hate empty seats. And, and empty seats are, 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 you know, we talked about how uh, there's the business side of the club and there's the on the pitch side of the club. This is an area where the two go hand in hand. Because the amount of energy that our squad derives from the fans is incredible. And if you listen to Kenny's uh, interviews, whether they're pre-match, post-match, he's always going back to, you know, the energy from the fans. So we've got great fans. I love, I love you guys. I love you guys for the, your support. I love everybody listening here who's coming out to the matches and supporting. But I'm, I'm, maybe I'm a crazy guy. I am a crazy guy. I want more. I want more, right? So I want uh, everybody, everybody that comes to your, comes to the matches, bring a friend next time. And then when they have a great time, tell them to bring their friends. Now we're doing things, obviously, within the club to uh, expand the fan base, right? You know, the, the football for a fiver, which is uh, 
you know, an idea that now we've done a, a, a few times, you know, is bringing new people in, and we're following up with those people to try to get them to come to more matches. We have the Real Football in the Capital program, which I don't know if you're familiar with because we've had a few delays in getting launched due to some technology issues, but that's a very, very targeted reach out to people in, you know, close to the ground, right? If you look at, at, at the map of where our fans come from, it's a little crazy that um, more fans, you know, the, the, the fans that live closest to our ground aren't the majority of the people that come to our, to our stadium, which is, which is the opposite of how it usually works in the U.S., for example. So we're going out and marketing. We know it's a, a very uh, diverse community, uh, it's a, a community of people from a lot of different backgrounds, but you know we want them in the stands too. So I love the fans. I love them so much. I want them all to clone themselves, uh, unless unless the guy that did Dolly the Sheep is in a full time business. The next best thing is is bring your friends and bring as many people along because I am convinced. It's like me in 1991. Now I save that. I save that memory. 30 years later to show up, uh, you know, into where I am now. Amazing. In terms of your thoughts on the season so far, I mean, obviously, as we sit here today, we're in... Sixth place in league two, two defeats in 15, through to the next round of the Papa Johns, unlucky to get knocked out of the Capital League Cup. Mm, FA Cup second round is assured. So how are you feeling about the season then, Nick? I'm feeling pretty good. I'm feeling pretty good because uh, of a couple of things. First of all, I love our school. I love Kenny, and I love Joe. Uh, by the way, both of those guys have this unbelievable degree of interest in like American politics. Maybe it's because our politics are so uh, unbelievably crazy. <laughs> but uh, I learned that in getting to know these guys. I love those guys. I love what they're doing with the squad. I've seen Kenny with the squad at the training ground, and you know, this is his squad. The guys respect him. They follow him. You know, I love that, right? Um, number one. And so I feel good about how they played. We've had a lot of, you know, we've gone through patches. In sports, you know, nobody wins every game. Uh, hopefully nobody loses every game either. But, you know, I think there, there's been a lot more good uh, patches this season. We're in a we're in a spot we wanted to be in, which is in playoff contention. And guess what? We've got a long way to go, right? And our and and the key is to be able to sustain, uh, you know, that level of performance over a season that's a grind. It's like our baseball season. We play ninth my team, uh, which is you know a lower level lower level team. We play ninety six games in a year play six days a week. Mm. You know, you want to win, you've got to, you know, win more than you lose, put together some streaks, be consistent. I look at us, right? You know, the number of clean sheets. We've lost two matches. I mean, it, it, it's, I realize that it would be nice to have turned some of those draws into into wins, but two losses in, what, 14 play? You know, I'm, I feel pretty good about that. I love that we're, you know, first time in five years we've gotten out of the first round of the mm-hmm. cup. Uh, I will be watching or watching the tech. I don't know how I can do it down in, in, 
Florida here, but I'm going to be looking for our draw and getting very, being very excited about that. And I am planning to be at that next match, wherever the heck it may be. I'm sure as hell hoping we don't have to schlep to Carlisle or <laughs> some of the, uh, or I guess I guess the pools are still in also. So I, you know, I hope I'm hoping that's the case. But um, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling really good actually. Um, and you know, we're gonna guess what? We're gonna have some patches later in the season where we're gonna say, oh, what's going on? And then we're gonna have some other patches that say, ah, let's just skip League One and go right to the Premier League. <laughs> and we know the reality is gonna be in the middle, right? Uh, and so we just. A season to date that has had a heck of a lot more good than bad means we're on the right track. Everyone's got their chosen team. Who Should we get through to the third round of the FA Cup, who we'd like to face? I think Harry Smith was on Twitter today saying he would like to face Palace home or away. Is there anyone that you, if or if we are lucky enough to get to the third round, is there anyone that you'd have your fingers crossed for in the third round draw? <sighs> well... I, I have a, you know, I, I <laughs> the answer is I don't have anybody in particular. So, uh, I, you know, I would love to see, uh, so my Premier League team is Chelsea. I would love to see us play Chelsea. I'd also love to see us play the lowest ranked team that's still around so we get to keep playing. And then, the, you know, the, the business guy in me says I want to go away to United or Arsenal uh, because it's a terrific financial boost to the club. So... Given that I don't know what the heck I want, I'm just going to like take them one day at a time. <laughs> Brilliant answer. Any anyone in particular, player wise, that's that stood out for you uh, so far this season? Oh boy, come on! We have a, we've had so many great uh, contributions from so many great players. You know, I'll tell you the one guy, the one guy that that. Uh, stands out and not and it's and it's almost not because of his perform his performance on the pitch has been I think terrific but I see him coaching on the on the pitch as well That's, I'm talking about Omar and I look at Omar and I look at Shad and you know like I said I'm not a football expert I did play when I was in high school I was terrible I mean you you know you couldn't you couldn't describe how terrible I was and how terrible our team was. But so I'm not going to profess any expertise here. But I look at I look at Omar and I look at his, at his the impact of what I perceive to be an impact on Shad and on Alex and how you know Omar to me is the king of cool. It doesn't matter a guy's dribbling. You know, he's he's trying to make some moves. And I feel like in Omar's head, he's like, why am I bothered with this guy? And in the end, Omar, you know, takes the ball away and life is good. He's got a calm to him. And I see I see that same calm in Shadrick. I see that same calm in Alex, you know. And these are obviously two very young guys with a lot of potential. Uh, and, and, and so that, I don't know. I, every match I see that that I that I that I watch, and I obviously I watch the streams here. You know, when I'm when I'm not there, and I go to every match I can when I am. I don't know. That sticks out to me. That leadership, right? A, a good squad uh, is a squad of leaders, right? Guys who are are taking initiative, not only worried about themselves, but worried about 
you know, the people around them and helping make them better. So I don't know. That's that's what sticks out to me. That's that's a really interesting observation that you've picked out there and an interesting player to have picked out as well because obviously he's partly responsible for the fact that we're keeping as many clean sheets as we are. But also you've not right. gone for the guy that's firing in the goals, either Aaron Drinnen or, or the Harry Smith or the kind of the, the exciting players like the Theo Archibald. He goes about his business, Omar, with... You know, he, yeah, he looks very calm, very relaxed, like nothing's nothing's a problem. He never looks flustered. And you've picked out some, I, I guess that's your management consultancy background, <laughs> looking for leaders and people that are going to drive things forward positively. Yeah, now, now don't Keep get me in. wrong. Not that I'm a psychologist, Leo but... And Harry and Aaron, I love what they're doing. Of My course. wife, who is Irish, she in particular is like taking... She likes Omar a lot, but she's like, oh, Aaron, Aaron Drennan, Aaron Drennan. There was the article I sent her, and she's like, oh, Aaron. All right, so, yeah, if, if Aaron's interested in a 55-year-old woman, I got I got him a date. But <laughs> uh, she'll probably kill me for saying that when she hears but, but, no, I, you know, we got a lot of guys that are, that are playing extremely well. And, you know, take them all the way, and Omar's going to have a tough time playing one on 11. I just, you know, I, I just like the... Omar is like multiply. It looks like he's multiplying himself, and he's taking you know the young guys and making them better. So now all of a sudden there's you know one real Omar and two mini Omars, and you know I like that. I you know that that really does resonate. We always like Nick to get our guests to kind of finish with a message um, to the Orient fans. So we we know we've kept you for quite a while, but last thing then, what's your message for the uh, Orient fans this evening? <clears throat> Well, first off, uh, you know, if, if 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 you're happy with the with the performance of the team to date, you should be for the reasons I said before. And if you're not, just you know, run, go back on YouTube and watch some things from you know four or five years ago, and, and just remember where the hell we were. Uh, I just you know, come on out. Continue to support the club. We, I am grateful. The board is grateful. But like I said, bring your friends. They're missing the most perfect Saturday afternoon known to man, which is coming out and watching the O's play. Let's pack the stands. Let's make the craziest environment, which rattles the heck out of our, out of the other uh, team. That's what I would. Uh, that's my request of everybody. But you know. We're grateful as hell. I'm grateful as hell. I'm happy as can be, and I look forward to seeing you guys in, uh, I don't know, uh, about a month or so. You're over in December, are you? Yeah. I'm going to come in for the uh, for the uh, next round of the Cup and then stay the following week for the two matches we've got. Fantastic. Well, we look forward to seeing you back at back at Brow Group Stadium, Brisbane Road. And, uh, Nick, thank you. Thank you very much indeed for giving up some of your Sunday Sunday afternoon and, and, and for being so candid with us. Very, very much appreciated. Um, yeah, that was it. Thank you very much. Nick Samaka. All right, guys. Thank you. Take Ta- care. Take care, Nick. All the best. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. So that was Leighton Orient investor Nick Samaka making his Orient Outlook podcast debut. I thought it was excellent. Fantastic. Like We said it after Coley as well when we'd heard off the back of the... Um, Meet the inve- meet the new investors that they spoke really well and that the the, the reasons I think that uh, people have invested in the club isn't purely just to make a quick buck because they're not stupid yeah. people they know that that's not 
what it is. It it is it, as it seems to be a little bit more of a. I'm going to put some money in and see what happens and enjoy the ride as we go along. Whether I make a, make some money or not isn't really why I'm doing it. It seems to be more of a passion project. It seems, and maybe I'm speaking out of turn and putting words in their mouth, but I like what I hear. Yeah, I'm right. comfortable and happy with what I'm here. Now, having heard from both Coley and, and Nick, I mean, obviously there are other investors, but these are board members. Yeah, I mean, Coley's based in London quite a lot of the time, yeah. so obviously Orient makes sense, and the fact that Nick went to his first game 30 years ago, and that always stayed with him, and he's had this amazing opportunity 30 years later, and been fortunate enough to do that, ticks the boxes. It's incredible, isn't it? For us, it's amazing, and what a nice bloke as well. We had the pleasure of meeting both Coley uh, and Nick ad hocly uh, before the QPR game, and they were both, I think, quite nervous and excited at the same time, because that was their first Orient game since being... Investors, announced yeah. as investors on the board and they were just both down to earth and Nick appeared in a south stand at half time Coley was there as well and so was Coley and I mean they can walk around with anonymity <laughs> at the moment but obviously Kent couldn't for example but these guys were walking around and just able to they were just sitting in a south stand taking all in cheering and singing with the fans and uh, again Legends. I don't go to the 91 other football league clubs but I'm pretty sure that if I did I wouldn't be seeing the investors sitting down with the fans to get a feel for it exactly so, Amazing stuff. So at 33 minutes, it's probably time to get on with the uh, rest of the show. Yeah, so go. anyone who doesn't normally listen and wants to switch off, you're welcome to do so now. <laughs> so supporters club updates. <laughs> then two trips to tell you about. Rochdale, Saturday the 13th of November, 3pm kickoff. Coaches leave early doors for this one at 8am. The adult fare is £38, £35 for concessions. And if you're under 15, you get the bargain price of £19. That's not the only trip as we go to Scunthorpe on Tuesday the 23rd of November. Coaches leave at 1pm. This one's a 7.45 kickoff. We'll set you back 38 quid, £35 if you're a concession. If you're under 15, again, this will cost you £19. If you aren't a member of the supporters club, this will cost you another three quid and if you're under like we said 15 you can travel for half price and please be remembered that this price does not include your match day ticket do not be the wally who turns up at a game without a ticket and without your card and you ain't getting into the ground so remember that so if you'd like to book for any of these trips you can do so in the support club on a match day or by calling the travel line on 07507 539579 perfect so couple of pieces of AOB. Firstly, if anybody's interested in joining the 17th Powell's Battalion Band, they need bugle players, but are after anyone that has played any brass instruments previously. But they won't discard anyone with no experience, as coaching is provided. They practice every Wednesday from half past seven till 9pm in Cavendish Road, Hyams Park. If you fancy it, please contact Nick Ramsden on 07814. 241748 or you can give Steve Jenkins a DM on Twitter. So just a reminder, if you're interested, the 17th Powell's Battalion Band need more people to join them, particularly bugle players. So if you are available and can commit, then please do get in touch with Nick or Steve. That would be great. That would be an awesome Fantastic. It was so good last week. Or, uh, yeah, it was. Before the match. It was brilliant. Great opportunity there. So that was the first part of AOB. Uh, a sad part of AB coming up now as we were saddened to learn of the passing of the O's fans, of the O's fans, sorry, who many of you would have known Michael Child who uh, passed away earlier uh, in the week. So mm. from us, we say rest in peace, Mike, and condolences to his family and friends. Yeah, apparently very instrumental in making yes. the supporters club real our 
what it is and all the awards they won off the back of it. So a big loss uh, for the supporters club and Orient family in general. So let's move on then to the week that was. You'll be pleased to know that Happy Monday and to Huey Tuesday, the 1st and 2nd of November. Two quiet days to start the week with, so let's crack on with Wednesday. Yeah, it gets busier from here. Quite a busy back end of the week. <coughs> on the Wednesday 3rd of November, Aaron Drinnen was selected for the FIFA Team of the Week following his performance against Hartlepool United. So say a massive well done to Aaron. That's no mean feat there. That's the FIFA Team of the Week, which takes players all around the world takes the best players from that previous week and puts them into an ultimate team. He made wow, that team. That's so impressive. I think impressive. Danny Johnson made it once last year. I think Aroma had made it when he scored a hat-trick away to Newport about four years ago. It's not, it's not like the Sky Better League 2 team of the week, shall we say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair to him, he was involved in all five goals. He assisted in two and scored in three. So he was like, I've got no reason to think like why he shouldn't be included. You can't think of one. So well done, Aaron. Absolutely fantastic. So let's move on then to Thursday, the 4th of November. Tom James was nominated in the PFA's League 2 Player of the Month for October Award. So we hope that you all voted. I think voting is now closed. I'm not sure exactly when it's announced, yeah. but we'll find out. Yeah, public vote. So it was very uh, pivotal that all O's fans voted for that one. And in the evening on Thursday, the 4th of November, the youth team were in action away at Leverhead FC. Remember Leverhead? Sammy Moore. I do, Sammy Moore, old, yeah. Uh, club. That was in the first round of the FA Youth Cup. The O's went 1-0 down in the first half, but we are delighted to say they won the game 3-1 thanks to goals from Clements, Charlie Pegram and a very late strike from Smith Kouazi as the O's progress to the second round. Well done to the fantastic young O's. Yeah, great, great news coming out of the youngsters there. So Kenny Friday, then the 5th of November, uh, as you will all know, it was bonfire night. Happy 18th birthday to youngster Dan Nkrumah. We hope you had a brilliant day celebrating. Not too brilliant, but... (laughs) Hopefully, big future in the game. Yeah, Young in an Orient shirt, uh, hopefully. Fingers crossed, my friend. So, also, in what turned out to be a busy day, it was the draw for the next round of the FA Youth Cup. And we were drawn at home to Newport County with the tie to be played by Saturday 20th of November. So that's got to be played pretty soon then. In the next two weeks, and it's a 7 o'clock kickoff unless the two teams agree otherwise. So, oh. it will probably be a midweek. Rather than rather than that being on that Saturday, they'll be played one evening. Yeah, I imagine that's a Brisbane Road derby. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I would imagine so because of the floodlights. I don't know if the Whitbread Sports Ground yeah. has that facility, no. and it certainly won't be played at Goals or Power League or anything like that. <laughs> um, so we've done the draw for that. Jeff Tatanga, uh, effort his efforts on and off the pitch were recognised by the LFE who have chosen him to be a part of the 11 for November 2021. So well done to Jephthah. Yeah, big day. Big day for big the day. youngsters. So no, it's no mean feat to be selected. So congratulations, yeah. brilliant. And that wasn't it. As the club announced, <coughs> excuse me, the nominees for goal of the month for November. I mean, all these goals are ridiculous. The first one was Tom <laughs> James against Port Vale, which Rocket. was that lovely strike from distance that seemingly had won the game for Orion, but <laughs> it's always Orion, isn't it? Not. Uh, second nomination was Rul Sitoriu's goal against Forest Green Rovers again that was an absolute scorcher and then Aaron Drinnen made up the last two goals firstly with his first goal against Hartlepool that lovely team goal that I raved about last week which mm. was fantastic and then his second goal against Hartlepool the one Paul raved volley. about where mm. he, he controls and half volleys it so some big big goals there for me personally anyone of those could take it mm. and you'd be like alright 
it was a great goal. For me, my favourite, because of the team goal, like we spoke about, the mentality, the passing, the decisions, for me, was Aaron Jordan's first goal against Hartlepool. Although I knew that wasn't going to win it because it's not sexy enough. But for me, that was the best goal. When you look at it as a team effort with 11 yeah. men on the pitch, it wasn't a moment of individual uh, excellence. It was everyone who had the ball doing their job, making the perfect runs. I guarantee, well, I don't guarantee, I imagine if you ask Kenny Jacket or Joe Gallon what their favourite goal is, I imagine as a manager or a coach go, it was that one. Because everyone was on point. Okay. Everyone was doing what I asked them to do. Okay. My, so, my personal, I think they're all worthy contenders, I agree with, me, with you. For me though, I thought Ruel's goal edged it. And the reason for that was because we were under, that was a, it was just a fantastic counter-attack and we were all back, all <laughs> defending, the ball gets kind of half cleared and it hits the back of Theo Archibald's heel well, it hits his heel, not the back of it. It hits his heel. And we all went, oh, because we thought that that had messed up the flow yeah. of the counter. But actually, Dan Kemp picked it up, drove forward, and then Federer, when we thought that he was going to feed yeah. Theo. So it was just the fact that there were three or four players involved in that, but actually everybody was back defending. So from a team perspective, I'm going to take that slightly away and say, actually, this was also a great team thing. And the actual counter with pace and Ruel, that... To find that Finished. aspect of the goal that the keeper wasn't able to get his fingertips to, he found it. So from a precision perspective, I think it's absolutely bang on. So for me, I thought that was the worthy, the worthy winner. It I'm, was a fine margin, though. I'm surprised no one's done like a timeline of how quick it was from defence to goal because it can't be more than twelve seconds. You know, normally like yeah, when you I'm see that, someone agree. someone will go, oh, it took eleven point eight seconds to go from this situation to here, but. Great finish. Like we said, they all could have won. And Ruel took it. He had 36% of the vote. So well done to Mr. Satiriu. A great goal. And Ruel done. Ruel did. So Saturday, the 6th of November then, Mr. Yeah. Levy. Let's move on then. So I took my son to his first ever FA Cup game. Really, really great uh, point in my lifetime, I think. I, he won't <laughs> remember it particularly. Took my nephew as well. Tried to buy tickets online. And I know I, I'm mentioning this because I know a lot of other fans have also had this aggravation. But it was so frustrating. I tried twice to buy online uh, and I couldn't do it. Uh, I couldn't do it because it wouldn't take payment on two different occasions. So then I had to go and queue up at the ticket office. And the reason I'm mentioning this is because I know that others have... Um, have experienced the pain of, of dealing with that as well. So I've, I've emailed Danny Macklin and, and, and registered a complaint. And I think if anybody else has got that problem, just, just email Danny. He's very receptive to these. He apologised. I know it's not Danny's fault, but I think he needs to be aware when people are having uh, problems. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure if Danny and the team recognise the need to change the ticket system provider, they're, they're obviously not going to do that midway through the system because of the further disruption yeah. it's likely to cause. But at the end of the day, it's still going to help him to build you know, a bigger uh, overall view of what's going on. So I would urge anybody who isn't having uh, the best of experiences on that system to, to just drop Danny an email. I know he's on social media and whatnot, but just drop him an email. I'm sure he'd be pleased to... Well, not pleased, but I'm sure he'd be receptive. Yeah, absolutely. It's frustrating start today, that was all. He's had a busy week as old Danny Macklin on, uh, on, on Twitter with lots of people... Uh, Giving him tweets, shall we say? Maglin, Maglin. So it's absolutely united at home in the first round of the FA Cup. And before the game, as always, we ran a Twitter poll to find out how you thought the O's would get on in this one. We had 267 votes in 24 hours, and you voted as follows. So we've spoken again about huge percentages of people thinking, oh, aren't they going to win? This won't be any surprise. 4% of you thought the game would be a draw. 
98%. Cynical. Thought we would lose. I mean, cynical. Last time we played, I can't remember what they were called <coughs> when they played, we played Gravesend and Northfleet. Northfleet. Yeah. We sat in the West End, we were about 16, 17. They beat us 2 1 last time we played them in the FA Cup. So I understand the cynicalness, but 88%. Of the vote went for an Orient win. And as always, thank you for your votes. 267 votes, not bad Decent, at all. Yeah. Absolutely. So the team was announced at 2 o'clock with Lawrence Vigor in goal. James, Clay, Beckles, Ogie, Archibald, Kiprianu, Prattley, Kemp, Smith and Drinnen. Substitutes for this one, plenty of them. Burn, Wood, Happy, Sweeney, Papadopoulos, Young, Smythe, Omatoi, and Soteria. Yes, that meant there was only one change to the side that beat Hartlepool United 5-0 the week before as Hector Kiprianu came in to make his 50th O's appearance in place of the cup-tired Alex Mitchell. Bit of legend, eh? Yeah, strong side. Shows how seriously Ken yes. is taking this, doesn't it, when he's putting out a really strong side because in theory he could have put out a slightly weakened side. Um, Hector at centre-back... Well, that's what you thought that, at the that's time. That's what I thought yeah. at the time. Hector at centre-back says a lot about what Kenny's jacket's views are about Dan Happy because he could have, in my head, moved Omar to right centre-back. Dan Happy would have been the centre-back with Shadda's left centre-back and still kept that shape yeah. and given a natural defender. Um, obviously, as it turned out, for those that were there, Craig Clay played at right centre-back, yeah. Omar in the middle and Shadda at left centre-back. OK, bit of a... Uh, what's going on here? Bit of a shoulder shrug. Is Dan Happy really... Obviously, Dan Happy is a le- plays on the left side of the central defence, right? So we know that. Yeah. That's been spoken about. Is Dan Happy really unable to play on the right side of this of the, back, of the central pairing that you put? And no disrespect to Craig Clay, who did very well. Who did well? Yeah. If you're, if I'm Dan Happy, correct. That's the I'm, point I'm making. If I'm Dan Happy and I'm sitting there, yeah, yeah. looking around, going, Craig Clay, midfielder. Hang on a minute. It's Alex Mitchell, spot. who's younger than me. It's taken my spot for this season and he's going to, for all intents and purposes, go back to Norway at the end of the season. I don't think we'll end up getting him on a long-term deal. That's another story. So you go, right, this is my chance, but a midfielder is now coming back and playing in a spot where I should be. And then in my spot, what I perceive to be my spot, which would be the left side of the centre-back pairing, is Shadrach Hoagie, who he's younger than me and I'm only 22. So what's happening to my career then? Yeah. 100%. So that, that raises yeah, the question yeah, as to, does, does Kenny really not fancy him? Has something happened behind the scenes oh, yeah. for this port, for this young guy who's played like well over 100 games professional league football? Um, I th- what, I think, what's I think, going on? I think Dan Happy's problem is he was mustered in the National League and we all thought he'd be off to a But he was good to before a bigger, the National League, to be fair. A bigger and better club. Yeah. And in the last year and a half, I wouldn't say his career has gone backwards, but it's definitely stalled. I think towards the back of the last season, he was very poor, giving away penalties, not being as good as what we knew he can be. But under Kenny, you thought we might get a new lease of life. And he's, I'm sure he started the season in the team and he's obviously dropped out. And Shad's been amazing. Alex Mitchell's done very well. Beckles is great. And he's still got Adam Thompson to come back in. So he's going to find it very, very, very hard to get back into this team. Yeah. Which leaves you with a question. Is, is Dan happy, happy? To sit on the bench yeah. and take a wage, or is Dan Happy sitting there, unhappy, stewing, saying, "What's going on here? Yeah, you, I, I need to get out and go." On I there. can't see Dan Happy going alone to a national league club. I just no. don't think he'll do. I just don't. I just think he'll look at him and go, "Why? Why would I do that?" Yeah. So as as big decisions to be made on Dan Happy, I think. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I just finished off my views with saying about the injuries. Not had an injury update from Adam Thompson recently. 
Callum Riley. Um, uh, <laughs> Callum Riley. Riley is is where doing what, getting injured again. Like the guy's like made of what glass. He's got another groin injury. <laughs> what are they doing? Yeah. No, I, and I don't mean that to sound patronising or horrible. It's yeah. just we've signed this guy in the summer. We're now in November. Like next week is mid November. Like, and we've not we've <laughs> seen him play for barely all of ten minutes. Like maybe half of football in that time. Like he came to us injured. We got him back to full health, like, want to see what the guy can do. Yeah. You know, views of other midfielders by the by, but just to have a player in the squad that's literally never played for us, it's like Sergio, not, not comparing the two players, but Sergio Ramos at PSG, they're getting the hunt with him because he's not, He's not been fit. Yeah, and he's been he's been injured since they've since they got it, him. To be, so. to be fair, Jacket did. I guess we'll come on to Jacket's post match interview. He does mention that, but at the time, yeah, you're right. You're sitting there going, "Why isn't Riley on the bench?" Like I thought he where, would. Where I put him in my team this week, thinking I oh, thought Riley. I, I mean, on my personal views is I was, I was very pleasantly surprised when I saw that. I thought, I thought I was being optimistic with who I thought he'd put in in terms of I went for a very second side. Squad in effect. I don't think he'd play Drinan, Smith, Prattley. I thought he'd rest kind of some of the big hitters. Mm. So I was very pleasantly surprised when I saw only one change from the Hart level game, which mm. shows you that they thought Ebsley could pose a danger. And both Joe said that last week and Kenny said that again in his post match that they thought Ebsley would come and raise their game and that they were full time as well. So they weren't going to be any exactly. walkovers. And they're fifth in their league. As and they're well. fifth in their league. So I, I was surprised with how strong that was. I agreed about happy. How can you have nine subs for an FA Cup game? Did I miss something? I looked at that bench, it was like, there's nine of them. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I don't understand. And that's, you know, again, that's without having Adam Thompson on the bench. That's without having Callum Riley on the bench. So I was quite happy when I saw the bench, but I looked at that bench going, there's bloody loads of options there, but I mm. presume the, 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 it's different in the FA Cup. But yeah, very pleasantly surprised. So those were our views. Yeah. We had a load of views that came in uh, to Orient Outlook on Twitter. Len Chin Chin One said, A strong side pick shows the club's serious approach to this game. Ebbsfleet have always been a difficult team to beat. A win is needed to go to the second round. Let's hope for no more injuries. Think this could be a close game. What a great call that is, Len. Yeah, Maltese Orient said, Surprised we've not made more changes and given others a game. Chris Co 129 said, Presumably... Millwall don't want Alex Mitchell cup-tied. Surprised that Callum Riley isn't at least on the bench. Yeah, Garden Courtman said Kenny Jacket wants to keep the momentum going. A cup run is good for the players and the owners. Couldn't agree more. Yeah, so three o'clock soon came around and there was a minute silence before kick-off. Ebbsfleet got the game underway with the O's looking to get into the second round of the FA Cup for the first time in five years. I can't believe it's been that long. Visitors had a shot at goal in the first minute after Darren Prattley fouled to clear the ball. So Obviously, I've I've only seen the BBC highlights, so I've not seen much of what we're going to talk about, so I'll let you lead it. Yeah, I mean, I made a note of that because it was just, he kind of kung fu kicked the ball and sort of really fouled (laughs) to clear it. I can't remember if it was a shot on target or wide of target, but it was more the fact that it was a very poor clearance that almost yeah. put us in a in, yeah. on on the back foot right in right foot. It was a very bad early omen for me sitting there watching it in the West End. In the West End, packed in the West End. Hi Elvis, Memphis as well. Thanks very much for <laughs> your your company as well. It's great to great to meet you and and the guys around were were, were were great. But I mean to be kind of 
hemmed into the to the yeah. West End when the South Stand eventually was open uh, is another saga I, for another day. I'm sure there are going to be a few views. Uh, I think the South Stand should have been open, period, but that's another... And I understand why the club didn't do it before I get messages. I, I'm sure that's going to be spoken about later. Uh, so let's go on with the game then. So the first orange shot came on target. Harry Smith, fifth minute, as he headed down Vigarou's goal kick. Drinan picked up the knockdown, fed the ball back to Smith, but... Sh- Smith's shot was weak, more like a pass to the keeper. Yeah. I do like the Smith Drinnen. I think if you keep playing them up front, I think their partnership already looks decent. Yeah. I think the more they play together, obviously the more they'll learn and the more they'll react off each other's movement and stuff. But I, from what I've seen, I like it so far. 15 goals between them in 15, 16 games, so you can't really argue with that. And I think that what we lacked without Drinnen was the fact that, or what Drinnen brings to the squad, let me word it that way, is the fact that he's there to pick up Smith's knockdowns. Yeah. He knows what Smith's going to do and he's that, he's that guy that we were criticising wasn't there yeah. in previous podcasts where there's no one there to pick up the knockdown. Absolutely. Uh, so that was good. Um, somehow we couldn't put the ball in the net in the ninth minute. The ball seemed to just linger around the six-yard box but there were about three or four Ebbsfleet defenders crowded around Harry Smith and he just couldn't get his knee, toe, shin hair on his left knee whatever it was to actually just connect with the ball and it just seemed to linger in a little groove and then eventually Ebsfleet cleared it but it's just like oh fractions of fine margins yeah okay some good closing down by Darren Prattley forced Ebsfleet into a mistake that eventually led to Harry Smith shooting wide a bit later in the half yeah 23 minutes on the clock the O's made the breakthrough as a superb through ball I'm sure you've all seen it by now Shad Ogie found Aaron Drinnen with an absolutely unbelievable through ball and Aaron Drinnen drove into the box made no mistake from a very wide angle to make it 1-0 to the Orient aside from the fact that that was a stupendous through ball from Shad Ogie Aaron Drinnen had so much work to do and obviously you've seen it from yeah. the highlights and whatnot. tremendous finish Took it well. Took it well. I mean, didn't expect him to finish that, to be honest. Oh, really? Yeah, because of the tightness of the angle and the keeper covering most of the goal. I thought that the keeper might either save it or he might hit it wide. Oh, I know. Good finish. I'm pleased he did. I think. I think when you're in that kind of form, I think you don't like he doesn't think about it. Just lets the ball run across his body. That's it. it in. Good goal. Number eight of the season. Took it well. I will say. From a defensive point of view or from an attacking point of view, that's pretty easy. Like Ogi, Vigaru to Ogi, Ogi runs, no one goes to him. So as yeah. great as ball as that is. And there was that corridor for him. You, to you'd pass imagine in League Two, yeah. someone's cluttering, him, cluttering into him straight away. But a great ball from Ogi, good finish, easy goal, I would yeah. say. Don't want to take anything away from the goal because it's, it's a good finish. But that you won't get an easy. You would If you get that in League Two, you'd be thinking, bloody hell, that was really easy. But I don't know if good it was finish. easy. I think he's probably made it look easier than it actually oh, no, was. No, it's the angle. In terms of, there's no one on him. Oh, like, I see. Like, he's from, under a, no from, pressure. A de- from a defensive point of view, no one goes to Ogi. Vigru's no one's closing down Vigru. Vigru to Ogi. No one's closing down Ogi. Ogi runs. No one goes to him. Puts I see what you mean. Drinan's, there's no one on Drinan. It's no. a difficult finish, but he hasn't. He's not got an Adam Thompson behind him about to Smash basically him. give him a whack. Yeah. No. Fair play. Fair yeah. play. Great to see. Nothing really of note. For the rest of the half, I mean, I had to take my boy to the loo, so I missed about eight or ten <laughs> minutes of it. But from what I from what I've seen and 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 read and and heard and whatnot, they didn't miss anything. So uh, the referee brought the half properly to a close. One nil <laughs> to the O's. Absolutely. One tweet at halftime into us at Orient Outlook Podcast Towers from James O'Hagan, who said, "Scrappy, scrappy." First half. Got to admire Drinan's confidence to go for it at an angle when he had at least two teammates open and claimed defence through me that he seems quite suited to this kind of game. So, so far, 
So good. Yeah, I agree there. We haven't mentioned it in, in the sort of highlights so far, but the passing was sloppy. There wasn't much movement, and it continues into the second half. It was a bit of a disjointed game, I agree, uh, with James on that. The attendance was announced as 3,451 fans, with 865 making it all the Decent. way up from Kent. So I see why they moved them from the north to the to the east end. They were in good voice as well. Yeah, great stuff. No changes for the O's at half-time. The O's got the half underway. Two minutes in, though, Ebsfleet worked themselves into a good position as Polian made space on the turn, had a shot, just went wide. That was a decent effort, actually. Vigru looked like he had it covered, but I only, I've only seen it from one angle yeah. without a replay, so I need to see it again. But Too close for comfort. I think it was close, yeah. Yeah, it was a bit too close for comfort. Craig Clay went into the referee's book for a foul in the 52nd minute. Yep, standard. That Epsfleet went close in the 59th minute as Bingham headed wide. Yeah, I think I, I, I remember seeing, I think that's Craig's fourth yellow card. I think Darren Pratt is on four as well. So it's we're on thin well. ice with with some of them. All those earlier bookings have, are slowly catching up with us now. Aaron Drinnen got in behind the Ebbsfleet defence in the 65th minute. He tried to make a pass that was actually crowded out and Hector Kiprianu's shot from the follow-up was, was well defended. Um, Ebbsfleet putting bodies behind the ball. Aaron did well to get to the byline to try it. What he's trying to do was cut it back. Yeah. But that pass was one too many. Probably should have just fired a shot at, at the keeper and seen where it came out. Yeah, yeah. But he was trying to do the right thing. Good stuff. Just a minute later, I was almost made it to as a Theo Archibald cross came in and Harry Smith headed just over the bar. And I've seen that. He should score that. I'm not. Going, I don't. Want to, I don't want to be harsh, but that's that should be Harry Smith. Unchallenged. Should be Harry Smith's bread and butter. Again, great cross from Theo Archibald. I know. We've spoken about it at length that we don't like him left wing back, but he's still getting into those positions where he's putting the ball into the box. And Harry, Harry Smith's not going to get many easier chances of that. He'll be disappointed, I think, that he's not put that at least on target as well. Mm. Do you know what I mean? He's mm. tried to get it into the top corner and it's gone over. But I agree. I don't know if the Harry Smith in the first couple of games of the season where he was on that roll would have scored that. Essentially. Yeah, great opportunity. Would have lifted the mood as well because by this point we're looking at, again, lots of sloppy passing, misplaced passes, a lack of movement, lethargy, and it was just getting to a point of real frustration yeah. um, of, of the quality. It's almost like we'd dropped down to National League South level of competency from what we... Per, this is just my personal opinion. I'm, I don't know what others think because I didn't ask around me, but that's kind of how I saw it. It just wasn't pretty to watch. And I've got my 10-year-old nephew who's well into Arsenal and watching Premier League football and all of that. And it's not, it wasn't great fun to watch, to try and convince people to come and watch us. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Welcome, well, welcome to the jungle. Um, Dan Kemp had a chance in the 80th minute as he controlled a cross from Theo Archibald on his chest but lifted his effort just over the bar. Unlucky there. I don't know. Again, I think it might, be might be the target. I think he's got to be prepared, be prepared to take a whack and get his shot away. He kind of rushes it and kind of went over because he had some brute behind him that I think he thought he was going to get a knock from, so rushed it a little bit. I think he's just got to be a bit braver mm. in those situations. It might be a lack of experience, though, to him, to be fair. He's still, he's still young, but, yeah, maybe it's me with my critical head on thinking this is only a National League South defender. Be brave, take the knock and keep the ball, be stronger, Yeah, if you like. So that chance win. Um, Tom James, in the 82nd minute, went close, picked up a loose ball in the Ebbsfleet half. I think Ogie went in for 50-50, won the ball, rolled out to James, took it, drove forward, literally smashed his shot just over the bar. Keeper won't get into that at all. That's almost becoming his trademark. So mm. he can do that a couple of times Rockets. now. 
done that against um, I can't remember who it was uh, the game where he scored the goal where he got it in in similar position took it forward turned his man inside out smacked it in done something similar against Port Vale he's been close a few times with that love it mm. love to absolutely. see absolutely and I'm sure at some point perhaps later in the season those will start to hit the back of the net and, yeah. and there'll be absolute worldies um, we, we've been camped a lot in the Ebbs Fleet half without really threatening too much and out, without doing too much harm to them and obviously the scoreline ends 1-0 obviously so you can just tell but the fact is that we sat for most of the most of the second half in their in their half but again due to lack of quality and uh, critical decision making and, and making that final pass count or a pass count and not being sloppy it, it, it basically yeah. made it quite an edgy nervy uh, um, uh, contest as it stands Ebbsfleet had their first corner of the game in the 84th minute as, after Shadrach Ogi had blocked well yeah the three minutes of time added on played out as if we brought the match to a close as he has made it into the draw for the second round of the FA Cup thanks to Aaron Drinan's goal earlier. So Kenny Jackett's interview, we're not going to play it, that is on YouTube, I think it's about six minutes. It's not a bad interview, he talks about uh, Paul Smith being injured, talks about uh, Callum Riley being injured again, he thinks Smith and Thompson are going to feature on Tuesday. So oh really? That'll be interesting, Callum Riley's out for uh, I think a few weeks, Callum Riley. Of course he is. Uh, but he said apart from those three, there's no further injuries I and mean, I would imagine he's very happy with what he's seen. Paid respect to Ebsfleet, said he knew Ebsfleet were going to raise their game, be difficult, yeah. didn't want to disrespect him, which he's experienced enough to understand that this is Ebsfleet's big yeah. day. It's their cup final almost, yeah. isn't it? So they are going to raise their game. So that interview's on the club's YouTube channel. Go and watch it if you like. It's a good interview. So Mr Levy, your views on yesterday's match yeah I mean look anyone that was there would, would probably share these views it was it was poor I did, it wasn't particularly enjoyable felt it was dis, disjointed a lot of the time um, I, I, I think last week when we saw Craig Clay uh, in as the defensive midfielder and Hector pushing forward it worked so much better there was a lot more fluidity from defence to then moving into attack which we didn't see with Hector and Darren Prattley uh, there, I thought Prattley was was quite poor yesterday. I I would have expected him to have shone uh, against a, a national league south side, regardless of the fact that they're full time, um, and maybe have some ex league players in their ranks. I I just felt that the backwards and sideways passing, uh, just it's just not enjoyable. I raise a question mark as to why Dan Happy isn't playing when Craig's playing at right centre back. And full credit to Craig Clay. Don't worry. Full credit, he did very well. It's two games now on the trot that he has stood out for me. It's not his natural position. Yeah. He's not the shortest guy on the pitch, but by far he's not the tallest either. Um, and I thought he did very, very well. Picked up the book in. All right, he's going to pick them up. But by the by, he did very well at right centre-back. They didn't particularly... They could have really targeted him, but, but they didn't. Yeah. Um, and, and he did well with what, what came his way. Um... I found it odd that we didn't make any substitutions either in the game. I thought we could have freshened it up a bit. I think he's. I think he's planning. Well, my presumption is Kenny will play all those subs as starters against Charlton. So. And thought well, it's pretty comfortable. Like even though it didn't sound very exciting, it sounded pretty comfortable. Like they didn't have a shot on target, so it's not like we're getting battered and he's having to make defensive or Correct. tactical yeah, changes. In my head, my the only assumption I can make for that why he didn't make any subs is that he's resting all of those players in those right. Your big opportunity is coming on Tuesday against arguably a bigger club and better players yeah. to go and prove yourself. That would be my assumptions why he didn't do mm. that. But then on Tuesday, if we win that, we go top of the league well, and then we get a home tie. So he's probably not going to do that, is he? 
that's the thing. You might make two or three changes, but unless there's any particular injuries that have been picked up. Um, I just, again, huge props to Shadrach Ogi for his pass and Aaron's finish. Um, and that's that's about it, really. Yeah, nothing really to write home about, and certainly one that won't live long in the memory. Okay. I mean, I wasn't there. I've seen brief highlights of it. I mean, I'm going to counter you. We've been we've done this podcast long enough, and we've said it numerous times. It doesn't matter how you win, just win the game, right? Yeah. So I I couldn't care less if it was a boring, dull performance. All I care about it was laying on at one absolute nil. We could have played them off the park, and it could have been laying on at nil absolute one. Yeah. And we'd be here be moaning or luck. So I don't mind that. Take the win. Professional, professional win. Round. Yeah. Do it. Drinning, like we said, great finish. Looking forward to seeing what he can do. Um, now it seems like he's back. Yeah. He's on a roll. Took his goal well. Got Shad's, his confidence. Yeah. Shad's assist very good. Another clean sheet. I think someone tweets us later and says it's like seventh clean sheet. Something like at that. home, which is ludicrous. Fantastic, but ludicrous. Luda. Like I said, I imagine most of the subs will start on Tuesday. That would be my thinking. If you're Satiru or Happy or some of these players going, what, what's going on here? Like I imagine Kenny's already told the players what's going to happen on Tuesday. I imagine they're all prepared and they know how they're going to go out on Tuesday. So no arguments from me. Shame I couldn't make it. I will say I'm with you. We all knew, right? So I was having this conversation with another Orient fan today. We all knew that everyone all week was going, I probably ain't going to go to actually. But the Saturday conversations turned very different and midday everyone's going, actually, I'm going to go down there. So we all knew that it was going to be busier than what people thought it would be. So even though we hadn't sold many seats in the West End, I think we knew that it was going to be a very busy West Stand or they were going to have to open at least one other stand. So I think they got it wrong with the South Stand. I know Danny Macklin has been on Twitter to explain himself, which is fair enough. I get it. But, mm. you know, you're, in my head, I was like, I, I was never sure if I was going and I didn't because of my daughter. I didn't want to go. But... I don't want to sit in the West End. I don't want to sound like the old grumpy football. Like, if I was going to go, I wanted to sit in my seat in the South Stand. Like, it would have been my luck. I'd go West End, I'd sit there, and some idiot comes up to me and goes, you're sitting in my seat. Well, it's seat I've been allocated. And we saw a few tweets like that of people sitting in the West End, people going, this is my seat. Well, it's not what your ticket not, says, mate. Not today, it's not. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess when they open up at 2.50, you're only going to get 50... Well, I don't know how many people were in the South Stand, so I don't know the split if it was... I presume it was like 2,500 in the West and 100 in the South. Well, you had 800 in the... Oh, yeah, but in terms of Orient fans, like what the split was with the uh, Orient fans, there yeah, can't have been were. many in the South. No. It would look ridiculous. So I don't know why they didn't put them in the North well, Stand. Well, when, when you get to the half two and you know it's busy, you know, again, there were tweets about people queuing and taking ages to get in. You would have known at half two to go, actually, we need to open the South now. And let's give people that choice. Or yeah. to, so, you know... I'm not going to sit here and slag the club off because I've got better things to do and I know they've got the club's best interests at heart, but it's one of those, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think that was a slight mistake, uh, to be honest with you, but never mind. Uh, so, those were our views. A huge amount of feedback after this match. So, thanks to everyone who sent us their views that came into our social media accounts, which, as you probably know by now, they're sponsored by Town and Country Hearts and Essex Estate Agents. They're at Hearts Town. Uh, on Twitter, also at Charlie underscore Paul on Twitter. You can get in touch with them and if you're letting or selling a property, East London, Essex, Hertfordshire, they are the ones to go to. So we're going to try and read out as many as we possibly can, but just because we do read them doesn't mean that we agree with them. And Molly Folly 2019 is first up this week. Uh, awful, horrendous performance, but a win. Archibald is hopeless as a wing-back. 
Kenny Jacket needs to sort that. I think the counter to that is Archibald still putting crosses on people like Harry Smith's head and we're keeping clean sheets. So I don't think he's going to change it anytime soon. Well, I would like Archibald played further forward. Graham G, 1484-3952 says, I didn't go so I can't comment. However, seven Saturdays with Brisbane Road so far this season and seven clean sheets. Some kind of record. That's a great, great tweet. tweet. Yeah, if that's right, that's a great tweet. Orient Fan TV said, "Well done, Ebbs Fleet, for giving us a hard match. Simply couldn't get that vital second goal to kill the game off. In the hat for the next round. I think the draws tomorrow and Monday night yes, as we agreed, record here. Yeah. Uh, that's all we asked for before the game. Feel some players need a rest to freshen up, and think we'll see that on Tuesday. Yeah, agreed. Nineteen at sixty-five, AC eighteen, eighty-one. It's an awful performance. No cohesion, no control, no fight. Ebbs Fleet deserved the draw at least." And Darren Prattley needs a rest. Billy Carroll, GB, said disgusting performance. Defensively all over the place. We'll never know how Tom James got man of the match. Only positive is we're through. Yeah, but... Tom James wasn't bad, but I understand where he's coming but from. it's a cold November day against a National League South team. What do people like? I don't understand. This is Leighton Orient. What do people we, expect? We, to be fair, we struggled to pick a hero of the week. Uh, we did, for our but what do, what do people expect? 11 players to turn up and play amazingly. Like, that Hartlepool 5-0, that doesn't happen every week. If it did, they wouldn't... League 2 players no, but this was, in League 2. The, yesterday's match was poor. But they won, though. Like They won. Who cares? That's the only upside of it. But what would you... I don't get it. What would you rather prefer? A team who plays better and loses 1-0 or a team who plays badly and wins 1-0? I'd like a team that plays well and wins 1-0. But that's, that's, not, that's not up for grabs, though. That's not what we're talking about. That wasn't on hand But it is up for grabs. Well, it wasn't yesterday because they played badly and people were still moaning. Yeah, because that's that's their right. It was of course, of course it is, but we've sat- but obviously we're happy that we won. It, well, it doesn't sound like it. It doesn't sound like it at the moment because I've got disgusting performance, awful performance, horrendous performance in three out of the seven tweets. Yeah, just accept it. Some days are going to be wicked. We're going to play fantastic. Yeah, others we're not going to play so well. Yeah, Daniel, I'm, oh, I'm getting too carried away. I'm forgetting tweets. Freddie, LOFC says we were always in control. They had the odd half chance. We deserve to win and better decision making on the break, and we win two. Or 3-0. Yeah, that's right. I think it's just the expectation level amongst fans. Is, is yeah. When you're playing a lower league side, of course that it is. you play better. But there's always going to be one or two teams who we've seen this weekend who who make Forest Green Rovers flying in the league. They lose today. I don't know who they lost to. I know they got knocked out in an upset. Did they? And I think York City beat someone who they, again yesterday who they had no right to beat. There's always one or two teams who aren't on it and get knocked out. And we aren't one of those two teams. We've, oh, St Albans, yeah. We've sat here two years ago, Morden and Tiptree. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, we probably played better against Morden and Tiptree than we played yesterday, but we lost a bloody game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you're right. No, you make a good point. Daniel underscore D44 said it wasn't a classic, but it was one of those that just did enough performances. I think that's probably about right. Yeah. Nice to have a ref on our side for once. We did get a lot of the decisions. Thought Clay was excellent at centre half, and it was a fantastic ball by Ogie for the goal. Hector was pretty good as well. Looking forward to the second round. Yeah, Pandemonium, 1881. So, very disjointed game with little pattern or shape. Excellent goal. And one of just a couple of moments of true quality. Didn't really look up for it. They gave us 10 or so scary minutes in the second half. The performance, that's one for the manager and the analysts. But as always, at the end of the day, this is a cup competition, which is a one-off, winner-takes-all game. Yeah. And we won 1-0. And they're in the hat. So, it's job done. And on to round two. Absolutely spot on there. Lawmat59 said, really like Clay's performance today. Also thought Kemp buzzed around well, which he did. Pleased that Hector just gets on uh, gets on with his game and ignores some of the doubters. Yeah, John Band 630-654-73 said, thought we were lucky to be in front at half-time, as we could have easily conceded early on if they decided to shoot rather than pass. Overall, got over the line. Prattley seems to be chasing shadows. Thought Clay... 
was man of the match. There's a lot of criticism for Darren Prattley. What was very surprising, Darren Prattley, in terms of he came, we all had high hopes, expectations. Again, I wasn't here today, so I can't, I can't speak there for his 90 minutes, but he wasn't great last week. Obviously, gets taken off at half-time. Again, you imagine he doesn't play on Tuesday, just because I imagine there'll be a lot of rotation in that one. But, again, Prattley... Odd. Massive question mark. Odd, yeah, I agree. Yeah, massive question mark. Good tweet from Howard uh, Gould. Howard next said, more questions than thoughts. Clay at centre-half, decent game by the way, but where does that leave Happy? Is someone going to explain what's happening with Sarge? Good point. I haven't even mentioned Sam Great Sarge. Point. He, was warming the keep- he was warming the keepers up before, but is he not allowed to be a substitute? Is he part, did his Barnet loan spell get ended early, which means that he can't now go out on loan again until... I don't know, good point. January. I mean, he's been back now for a good couple of weeks, three or four three, weeks, four weeks, three, four yeah. weeks at least. Not, and obviously you've got a very inexperienced Reese Byrne um, on the bench. And yeah. He's played in the Papa John's. So, again, be interesting on Tuesday. I don't think Vigor will play on Tuesday. I imagine Byrne starts and Sergeant might be on the bench. Go I on, don't think it's going to be that big a change of, of oh, personnel really? okay. that you think it is. Yeah, I think because there's still something that counts in okay. terms of if we finish top, we get a nice high, Well, I say a nice, we get a home tie. I think that's probably what he'll edge for. I don't know that it'll be the message. I could be completely wrong. Yeah. Um, Howard's message goes on to say, no subs used today. Why not? No Riley on the bench. Why? Game-wise, Ebbsfleet were better at the back than Hartlepool. Good tweet. Fair point. Very good questions there being raised by Mr. Gould. Steve Chapman 4. So I have to say, perhaps controversially, we didn't look in danger at any time. They didn't have a shot on target despite us being well below par. The defence coped with what they threw at us but we couldn't get any passing going at all. But on to the next round. Yeah, another tweet. Uh, LOFC underscore Ed said, shocking. I know everyone will say we're in the hat and they had no shots on target, but the paper that paper's over the cracks. Wayward passes, second to every ball and a lack of desire. Everything good we did last week was non-existent this week. Despite the win, despite the win, I'm not happy. I agree with that. Yeah, I think yeah. I think he I think that quite succinctly sums it up actually. Yeah. Okay. You know everything that we did good against Hartlepool didn't happen yesterday, yeah. which is where the expectation level is. Is that we did it last week? So why is it so drastically different? Drastically different this week. Hope. Yeah, we won. That's the most important thing. But actually, from a momentum perspective, and from a um, a building up a momentum perspective, that that doesn't work. It's too right. kind of up and down and up and down. Yeah. Well, you were there. I wasn't. I, I don't think. For, I think just the, consistency. I, that's all. Consistent performance. Yeah. For momentumly, I don't think that will affect it. Another clean just sheet. A win another win. a wins a win. They'll go in on Monday and they'll have their normal rituals and be patting each other on the back for getting through. And they'll all be sitting there tomorrow night buzzing at the prospect of getting a bigger kind of League One club. Although some big clubs have already gone out. Sunderland yeah. got knocked out to Mansfield. Yeah. So again, there's, there's big teams already gone. So hopefully, we get a nice. Plum time in nice a away beach. local, nice home local against a local non league side or a big away. Yeah, see, like fingers that. crossed. See, yeah. Gibson underscore 89 said, Happy to avoid the upset, be in the hell on Monday. Yeah, it was professional performance. Disappointed with the lack of subs though, and starting to get concerned about how Kenny is using Theo, not getting the best out of him in that position. And you can see starting to affect him. Fair point. That is a good point, yeah. Yeah, Les LK52 said, I thought that was a really solid performance without (laughs) being dominating. Thought the defence was excellent as usual and we just lacked a bit of width to fire crosses in for the front two. Overall, very satisfied. And Buxton away, please, in round two. No idea why. Couldn't even tell if Buxton got through. Good luck, Buxton. (laughs) Final word in Essex biz. 
says job done, did what needed to be done, never easy going against lower league opposition, fair play to Ebsfleet though for giving it a right go, very professional from us at the back with another clean sheet and into the hat for the next round, which is all that matters. So loads of views within that one, so let us know if you agree or disagree with any of those tweets that have been read out, you can let us know what you think by tweeting us at Orient Outlook or you can email us at orientoutlook at outlook.com or we're on Facebook at Orient Outlook Podcast or on Instagram at Orient underscore Outlook underscore podcast. How did Buxton go? They beat York City 1-0. All right, Buxton. He just wants a free bottle of water. That's all it is. <laughs> so Les's dream very much alive. Buxton in round two. I'll take, I'll take Buxton. Cool. Carol Langley prediction okay. league update then. Surprisingly, nobody correctly predicted the score, which means the top of the prediction league Everyone was going for three, silly four, five, scores. Six. Yeah, I thought it'd be a three nil. Yeah. I genuinely thought it'd be a three nil, a comfortable three nil, based on how we played last week. See, that will teach me for getting my hopes up. Always Eighteen away. points, top of this league. The Carol Langley Prediction League is Nino Barone. Uh, Sixteen points just behind him is Parksy, eighteen eighty one. And just behind Parks is Leighton Ori on 13 points. So thank you to everyone who took the time to send their predictions to us at Orion Outlook on Twitter. You can email us them as well if you want. If you're not on social media, it's fine. We're Orion Outlook at Outlook.com. That is our email address. Or you can DM us on Facebook. Just search Orion Outlook Podcast. Yep. So let's move on into Sunday, the 7th of November. And the O's ladies were in action away at Impact FC and lost. Uh, maybe for the first time this season. They lost in a friendly a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if this one was a friendly or a league game. But today. I thought it was a league game. But... Well, whatever it was, they lost the game. 3-1 at Hackney Marshes. The only O's goal coming from Williams. Unlucky to the ladies in that one. Hopefully a bounce back next yeah, Sunday. Absolutely. So let's wrap this up then. 77 minutes are on the clock then. We're not going into extra time today. <laughs> Jack Merritt is top of the Orient Outlook podcast. Fancy Football League is on 749 points. He's just one ahead of James Durkin in second place. Steve is doing much better now in 204th place out of 315 players. So well done and good luck to you. Yeah, not bad. I think it's an international break next week. So I think that's how I think that's for right. a little yeah. while. So let's do positives. And negatives, I think you done positives last week, so I'll take them on this week. So there's five positives this week, which is... Uh, Very generous of us. Sta- staggering. So first positive, I guess it's the most obvious one, into the second round of the FA Cup. It's been a while. It's been five long, lonely, cold years. years. Yeah. So it be good to watch it tomorrow with a bit of enthusiasm back. Second one is we kept a clean sheet. So yeah. like Graham G said, seven Saturdays this season at Brisbane Road, seven clean sheets. I'd love to see it. Third of all, the youth team through to the next round of the FA Youth Cup. Love them to get a good good cup run going as well. Yeah. Fourth positive was Hector Kiprianu making his 50th appearance for Leighton Orient. Still very, very young, getting some great experience in there. So well done to Hector, previous guest on the podcast. Um, yeah. Almost a year ago now, if I remember correctly. Was it that long ago? Yeah. It was, I think, it, wow. was, it was just after Newport, I think, which was early December. So well done to Hector. And the last positive was... Aaron Drennan, man on fire. Eighth goal of the season, fourth goal in two games. Giving the ball. FIFA team of the week. FIFA team of the week. Giving the ball and he will put it in the net. Although we have had an email to say it's Drynan, so it'd be nice to get that one cleared up if it's Drynan or Drynan, if it's Smith or Smythe, if it's Jacket or Jacquet, it would be nice to know what's going on there. (laughs) No, Claude, it's not. Um, (laughs) I'm I'm pretty sure it's Smith, but we say Smythe, just a different shape from Harry. Uh, so that leaves me to do the negatives this week. So the performance overall yesterday wasn't particularly great. Um, we've already gone into some detail on that. Riley injured again. It just seems to be the perennial injured 
So no, Joe, well, I thought he looked, which is a shame because I'd love to see what he can do. He looked all right in the four minutes he came on against Hartlepool. Obviously, it's five 0 at that point, but he, he seemed to want to get involved and he touched the ball a couple of times and, really? and looked all right. But you know, he's got good pedigree, good records. And that, he's self injured in the way his injury record at other clubs hasn't been that bad. So hopefully, he's just having a tough time of it. But you know, I think we we sit here and gone practice is finding it difficult. Kipriano <coughs> at points is. is found it difficult this season Clay has done really well but maybe when he's not next to Prattley so to get another body in there mm. like Callum Riley I think would be very very useful I think in all the other areas of the squad at the moment you look at it and you go you're pretty much covered everywhere about central mm. midfield mm. I think Riley's really needed you look at Paul Smith and go he's a talent but when you've got Drinan and Smith cleaning up and Soteri getting goal of the month he's not, he's not needed urgently you look at Riley and go Actually, if he could get his act together and get fit he could actually be pretty pivotal to that yeah. team so yeah good point about Riley. Yeah, so that leaves us then to do the Carol. Oh, I think you had another negative. Oh, sorry, I do beg your pardon. Oh, no, just, uh, oh, fans being crammed into the West Stand and the South Stand only being opened at the last minute. I mean, we've discussed this already, but I think that was uh, perhaps not the best decision uh, made by the club, but um, that's all been put on social media. So we all yeah. know the reasons why, I just don't necessarily agree. Yeah, absolutely. So let's go on to the Carol Langley Florist Hero of the Week. Before we go through the nominations, big shout out to the youth team first of all, who are due a mention in this segment for making it through to the second round. It doesn't feel fair to put a team up against the kind of individuals, which is why we didn't nominate them, but they do deserve a shout-out, so well done to them. So this week's nominees that we put forward to Twitter were Aaron Drinnan, obviously scores the goal, Tom James, who got the club man of the match and the, clean the sheet, spot match sponsors, match sponsors yeah. and went fairly close. Hector Kiprianu, the big 50, seemed to do well, and Shadogi, clean sheet, great assist continues to smash it so yeah we had 162 votes in 23 hours for this one i guess no surprise winning it for the second week in a row 69 percent of the vote was mr aaron drinnan or drinnan well done aaron and well yeah. done and thank you to everyone who voted in that i think shad won it twice on the bounce as well Has, so yeah. it's becoming a bit of a habit this so let's move on then and finish this up then next week's fixtures there are two coming up as you probably already know First, we've got managerless Charlton in the Papa John's Trophy. Yeah, they sacked Nigel Atkins a week or two ago, didn't yes, they? Yes, but Johnny Jackson, who took caretaker last time before Atkins got it, had an amazing run, didn't get the job, is now in charge again. 100% record, won the last three on the bounce. Of course he has. Of course job. he has. Not, not necessarily the Charlton outlook, but he, he should get that job, but he won't. They'll give it to like some other person because he's right. inexperienced. But yeah, so we feel differently in this one. I think he's going to... There'll be like seven or eight changes, but you think because it's the carrot of a home tie, you think there'll be minimal Minimal changes. changes, Yeah, yeah. I guess we'll see. We will see. Yeah, and we don't do fan hub team prediction either, so um, it doesn't apply to that game. It's FA Cup and League. Um, So we've got the Papa John's Trophy on Tuesday, the 9th of November. Both the O's and Charlton have already qualified uh, for knockout stages, but as we've said earlier, basically, if we win uh, and top the group, we get a home tie in the next round. If we don't win then we'll pretty much be drawn away. Yes. Yeah, that is followed up by Rochdale, League 2, Saturday the 13th of November. They are also 13th in League 2. They drew one at home to Notts County today in the FA Cup. They've won two, drawn two, lost one of their last five league games. So they're pretty inconsistent, but they have had some good results, Rochdale, um, from what I remember watching on Quest. I think a few other dates to mention. FA Cup second round draw is Monday Monday or tomorrow as we record this. So, we look forward to that. The eighth, yeah. And the bearded Lejande, another age number another year older. increases. Happy birthday for Tuesday, Thank my you, friend. I think if we, I don't know if we're going to Charlton, but if you are 
And if you see, oh no, Paul's not going. No, I don't think so. Oh, okay. I'll do one with the family, I think. Ah. Uh, I think that <laughs> Yeah, I, I think I'll probably just stay at home to be honest. So, sponsorship reminder, don't forget, for the best plastering and rendering prices around, visit AJF Plastering on Facebook or at Big Ads LOFC on Twitter for all your plastering and rendering needs. Yeah, so that is it. Thank you for joining us for episode 263. And despite a poor performance, we won. We're in the hat for the second round draw of the FA Cup, the world's oldest most popular, most prestigious cup competition. And winning when not playing well is a positive. And as we all know, a good cup run will do wonders for the club. Let's think back about those wonderful oh, moments. To Hue. To Hue, going away to oh. Fulham and spanking them, going to Norwich, Norwich. going to Swansea. So many. Let's yeah. hope we get another one of those. So next up is another cup game. And a win would ensure we have a home tie in the next round. And then it's back to league action, away to Rochdale, which won't be easy. Hopefully, we'll be talking about two good performances Two more wins for the O's next week. Yeah, so if you're listening on iTunes, please subscribe, give our podcast a five-star rating and a review on whatever platform you get your podcast from. If you're listening on SoundCloud, Spotify, TuneIn and Stitcher, add us to your favourites and that way you'll have all the podcasts available as soon as we upload them. We're also on smart speakers and the new fan engagement, well, it's not so new anymore, no. but the fan engagement at FanHub, which is brilliant. Uh, you can listen to the podcast through that as well. There's opposition feeds so you can see what other uh, uh, independent media uh, providers and curators and creators are, are putting out there about their clubs. I, I do that. It's quite interesting. Um, if you've got an older relative, a loved one or an Orient chum who you think would like the podcast, grab their phone, download it for them, pass the pod. And as Nick Samarka yes. said earlier about introducing new people, like it. Um, they can listen <laughs> to the podcast and get all they need to know what's gone on around the club. And I have to say, big special mention to Theo, uh, the Wyvern, who had uh, lots of time for lots of pictures with lots of people. Uh, and my boy and my nephew uh, had their picture taken. Oh, it was one of the highlights of the day. Wicked, them. wicked. Sounds like the only highlight um, for some people. Apart from the goal. <laughs> Brilliant. So, massive thank you to Nick Samarka for coming on earlier in the podcast. Thanks to the O's media team for helping us to sort that one out. Hope you've all enjoyed that. Like we've said, Fort Nick was absolutely fantastic, quality and great to have. And the club is in the safest of hands. So we'll be back with episode 264 next week with all the information and views that you could ever need. We look forward to hearing from you. And as always, keep calm, stay safe, have a great week. And listen to the Orient Outlook podcast at the O's.